We are live from Goldsby, America today, baby. And not our inaugural show from the Chateau de Plank, but I mean, I don't. TJ, are you still back there? Josh, are you in yet? I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't really double check. I was too paranoid about whether or not this equipment works. It's new equipment day. It's Friday, yeah, and new equipment day. Does it work okay? Are we on the air? Check one, two, check, check. You are live, live, beautiful. Really, it's not new. Maybe I should break down that fourth wall. We just have a different kind of equipment that basically, no one cares about this, but let's just say I'm very excited today. It means I don't have to drag around that massive black case with one thing in it and then a bag of 800 wires that has two things in it I need anymore whenever I'm at home. Yay. Very happy for that. Poor TJ. He has to try to move all that stuff around. And and the, the problem is there's, what, what do we have in, in our show? and We have four live shows. Half of them are on the road uh, seemingly daily. Now if I decide, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know, I need to watch the dogs or I, I want to turn on the big screen TV in here. That does magically turn on in the middle of the night sometimes. I can sit here and hang. Josh, how was your Thursday night, man? It was good. It was good. Day one for us on moresports.tv of the John Nobles Tournament. So, got to call four basketball games last night. I've only got, mysteriously, the the one today. But then Championship (laughs) Saturday, I've got, uh, I think, three that I'm lined up for. So, no, it was fun. Was it just that we're only doing one? Or is it because I am such a prima donna, I demand that you be in for this show? Well, I I want to be here for the show, too. So... Sound like it. Josh, hey, Josh has a chance to call two. No! No! He needs to be here for he the will show. will do the show. <laughs> oh, I had a good time last night. Last night, I, I threw it out on Twitter, was, was a really cool kind of historical night for me because I've, I've done the, I almost said spotlight, I've done the huddle show before. I've never done it with Caleb Kelly. And as I came to find out, Caleb Kelly had never done the spotlight show before or the huddle show before either. So it was a really cool night to sit and talk some college football, specifically Oklahoma, snuck in a little playoff talk too. But how about the little behind the scenes? Speaking of behind the scenes, we had an all-female crew running it back in the Sooner Vision studios. And I haven't had a check a chance to check with my friend Maddie Taylor yet. I don't know if it just like we kind of backed into it, and suddenly you looked around like, "Whoa, Destiny's here!" And there's Emma, there's Amy, and Liz. Whoa, let's go. Or if maybe they'd kind of thought, "Hey, Maddie's pretty good at this. Let's try to do something cool." And we ended up with a damn good show last night. I thought, as Gabe said in the end, there is a reason. Why things ran so smooth. But I I wanted to start on this Friday morning where, as always, if you know what you want to talk about before we dive into it, you can hit us up at Josh on Ref. That's Josh's Twitter feed. I'm at Plank Show, and everybody should be following us at any of our 
uh, branches at Sports Talk 1400 at 947 The Ref and at Buzz Tulsa. You can text us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 651-3439. For those in T-Town, that's area code 405-651-3439. And I would also add that you can go, let's becoming one of my favorite ways. You know, I, there, there was a time where I thought the caller to sports radio was was on, what's the best way, life support. That with Twitter and with message boards and basically, you know, I'm not someone that wants to sit around and listen to people beg for calls all day long. Oh, gosh, it's so sad. But I'm kind of digging the calls to this show this week. You can pick us up and hit us up on the law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000, 405-329-9000. Of course, part of why maybe I'm digging the calls is because you know, Mad Dog says, hey, you guys can take calls. I'm like, really? Let's go. But I, I want to start here, Josh. Unless you want to go all in on the Kings avalanche game I watched last night, you, you think that would scare enough people off or is it okay to start with a little college football talk. We might have to wait several months. We can get away with it, I think, during NHL playoffs, a skosh, but I don't think we're on that doorstep yet. You know, Steve Levy's just not good at covering hockey either. I mean, bless that man's heart. Whoever he knows at ESPN, kudos. Uh, But I digress. I get a lot. I don't want to try to over-dramatize it. I see a lot on Twitter of people that are, and I think I believe Crimson was the first one that kind of opened my eyes to maybe this way of thinking. Uh, Others have asked the same question, but you start seeing guys who are associated behind the scenes, and in ladies too, behind the scenes with OU that are off to other places. And you and I have talked about this before, but it seems to ratchet up a certain, oh, no, what's going on, panic. And I'll just, if if there's a name that I miss here, Josh, that you want to slide in, go ahead. But guys like Ty Darlington, who is off to Florida. Guys like, gosh, Connor McQueen, Will Johnson, Austin Woods, all all the, the, the strength guys that have gone on and moved on. Other, other roles, Ryan Doherty, who was the special teams guy that went off to USC. I, I see, and, and again, we brought this up before, but it was hammered home last night. We see a lot of those guys leaving, and it's for some reason, and maybe understandably so, Josh, it's ratcheted up a little what the heck's going on, right? People see, even though they probably couldn't have cared less, well, I don't want to say couldn't have cared less, but didn't really know what their role was, didn't know what their responsibility was, but by God, they were Sooners. And they're leaving now for USC and other places. What the heck's going on? Why aren't they sticking around? Let me give you two two things just real quick to to hopefully maybe ease some of that. And I will say, Josh, have you noticed maybe that panic has started to lessen a little bit over the last few weeks? Yeah, I think so. And let's not forget, a couple of days ago, you – Got Lee Davis's announcement, so sure, sure. she will be heavily involved in the recruiting side of things. Yesterday, we found out that James Dobson is going to be an assistant strength coach at Oklahoma. So while you have departures here and there, 
like, say, uh, what, Will Johnson recently going to USC, right, and Ty Darlington yep. joining Billy Napier sure. at Florida. We've seen those in the, the past uh, several days. When those happen, there's also plenty of arrivals for Oklahoma. And I will say this, too, for Ty Darlington, it does show you the stark contrast. There was not really a negative comment to be found for Ty Darlington's move. Fans understand trying to better yourself and going home and all of those sorts of things. It's whenever you get that USC situation involved, folks aren't aren't super fired up about that. But anywhere else, and I, I think the panic is not quite as not quite as rife. But I will I will add to that. I could understand why people might hear that or see some of these things on Twitter and think, what's going on? Number one, as we brought up, and, and Teddy eloquently laid this out the other day. It's borderline shocking how many people are still around. And that's a credit to, I mean, Brent Venables, Jeff Levy's belief in the guys that are here on the offensive side of the football, and in some instances, a commitment to the interlocking OU and the University of Oklahoma. I mean, I I challenge you to find another situation where – a new head coach takes over a job and keeps four assistants on the offensive side of the football. And I'll d- drill a little deeper and say an offensive coordinator. I doubt it's ever happened to where an OC takes over a job in a place that he hasn't coached as an offensive coordinator before. Now, Levy's been here, but n- none of the guys outside of Kale Gundy on this staff were here when he was here, Right. So I challenge you to find any other situation on the planet where an offensive com- coordinator comes in with one of the top offenses in college football and and keeps all the assistants. I mean, the only assistant that left was Dennis Simmons. And with Lebby calling the offense and coaching quarterbacks, you can nicely slide in Kale Gundy into that receiver's coach's gig or – and they've added another guy that's going to help on that front. I don't know if he's going to have an on-the-field role or not, but it, it, they've got another dude. And then secondly, on the support staff side, they they needed jobs. And they couldn't wait. So when you see, and I, I mean, Ryan Doherty, Austin Woods, and names like that, instead of panicking, I get pretty excited about some of the names that I've heard attached to Oklahoma in the future. I've I've heard John Cooper. Gabe talked about John Cooper last night. John Cooper was, he was the offensive line coach at Arkansas. He was, I think, with Lebby at UCF. And because, because he went and interviewed for a job while he was at Arkansas, he got fired. And, I mean, listen, the, the term firing might not be right, but... Basically, a coach got mad that he interviewed for another job and said, let's move on. And what did John Cooper do? My God, he went to Western Michigan and coached their O-line and did a pretty damn good job. That's a name that's coming back. Well, it sucks to see Ty Darlington go, what's, what's sliding in? 
a former center that was the offensive lineman of the year in the Big 12. It's amazing. I've heard names like Lance Mitchell, Josh, mentioned as a dude that could come back. Lance was here whenever I started and was really good. I mean, really good. Now, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have followed Lance over the last couple of seasons. I don't know where he's been, but I know that he was, he was all in. I've heard names like former NFL quarterback J.P. Lossman. I mean, it's just we hear all of these guys leaving, and I think it ratchets up a certain sense of, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. But in reality, the staying power is pretty damn strong, and in those support roles, the guys that are coming in, it's incredible. Look at what they've – you mentioned the uh, Lee Evans and her role – they uh, Drew Hill is sticking around, which the Athletic ranked him as one of the top 10 personnel guys in college football. I mean, let's just pause for a minute and instead of uh, – and, and again, I'm, I wanted to get into this because of our conversation last night. I'm not saying everyone's freaking out about it right now, but instead of being mad or upset when you see guys that are going off to other gigs, man, I'm celebrating what's coming in the part that those guys who are moving on have played, and then also just looking in awe of the fact that you have four of five position coaches that are sticking around on one side of the ball. It's just, Josh, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable, and to be honest, it's pretty awesome. You're right. The The offensive side here for OU to have the continuity that they're going to keep – with the Kale Gundy, with the Bill Bedenboe, with the DeMarco Murray, doesn't always happen in these situations. I think it was pivotal for Oklahoma for this 2022 signing class. But, uh, you know, going forward for Oklahoma, too, I, I like all of those coaches at OU. So I, I think that was smart. But as you, as you mentioned, I mean, that isn't how that typically plays out at a lot of places. You know, there, there was whenever the first year that I got to do sidelines with Teddy and Dusty, um, and it's just no knock on anyone that I worked with before. I remember being in such, and I, I can say this because I know Ted's not listening. I remember being in such awe of how much Teddy knew, right? You, you get it. You watch him. You're a fan of his. But when you actually sit even away from the games and you hear him talk about responsibility, gap integrity, setting the edge, all these different elements that, you know, as a noob, I was like, Whoa, okay. Well, who's in charge of that on that? Well, on this call, this guy is, here's what he's calling there. And I remember saying, Ted, why don't you coach? I mean, this is great. And his point that he always brought up to me was what's happened at Oklahoma is uncommon. It is uncommon to have at that time, one guy in place for as long as Bob Stoops was. And then in that, you know, the only staff changes that they had through the first, gosh, 12 years were essentially guys coming in to replace other people that had taken head coaches jobs. That's unique. That doesn't happen very often. So in other words, the point is not only is it a grind to be a coach, but it's pretty uncommon. I mean, we've Brent Venables with his hiring, Becomes the third head coach at Oklahoma since Bob Stoops was hired 
1999, right? Was it 98 when he was hired in the 99 season? LSU has had six coaches in that span. It's it's uncommon. It just doesn't happen. Georgia might be one. I think Georgia's had three, too, because they had what? Um, Mark Richt had a pretty good run. Jim Donnan was there for a little bit. Now Kirby Smart. Georgia's there. Bama had a cluster you-know-what before they finally persuaded Nick Saban from the NFL. But it's uncommon. And not just in that with the head coach, but with coordinators and assistants as well. So you're going to see more that are going, and you're going to see a lot more that are coming in, and they're going to fire you up because Brent Venables is absolutely crushing it right now. I can't think of any other way to put it. They are crushing it right now. You have every reason to stop your bitterness towards anything west and focus your excitement on what's going on right now inside the Switzer Center. It's incredible. All right, quick break. When we come and when we come back, let's talk about the now. What's going on right now? We got playoffs this weekend. We got big college hoops this weekend. We got softball and baseball right around the corner. It's the Plank Show. So, um, a, a real quick question, Josh Helmer, as we welcome you back into the Plank Show. Hour one, as always, brought to you by Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. Their protection is your perfection. Call Mark and Tessa today at 735-1167. That's 405-735-1167. If I were to tell you that in addition to losing the musical legend and acting guru Meatloaf at the age of, what, 74? That this morning we've also lost actor and comedian Louis Anderson. Would you know who Louis Anderson is? I feel like probably I should. Okay. Because I just, I texted my wife. I was like, Louie Anderson just died. And her response was, who? I was like, wait, what? Come on, man. Louie's been battling cancer. He was one of my, he was in, uh, not Golden Child. What's What was the, Coming to America. He was in Coming to America. And so I went. And I when, I, when I saw he'd pass and I started looking through his his filmography and the movies he's in, and I realized, oh, he really wasn't in that much. <laughs> so I can't, I can't sit here and go, what? You don't remember him from Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he was the flower delivery guy? <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, were you really? Yeah, he was in Coming to America. He was a stand-up, did a family feud for a while, had some TV parts, but yeah. R.I.P. Louis Anderson. We'll pay our tribute to Meatloaf later. Did Meatloaf register with you? Were you ever a listener of Meatloaf's music? Uh, I would do anything for love, but I, I won't do that. Okay. All right. All right. He's a fan. I think Bat Out of Hell, I think it came out whenever I was in high school. I think it was like my... Senior, no, 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 never mind, not even close. It had like a resurgence whenever I was in high school. I don't know if Paradise by the Dashboard Light or something, uh, maybe it was from a movie, and it became famous again because whenever I was in high school, everybody was listening to it. But R.I.P. Louis Anderson and Meat Love. And you're right, we were talking about this during the break. We failed to pay tribute this week 
to Ron Franklin, who in in Big 12 country, I think, was kind of the, the voice of college football and, and college basketball. And I, a, a beloved guy worked in Tulsa. He's an Oklahoman for the longest time. His, his spotter, his stats guy, was Elvin Lindblad, who was a, a, a Tulsa legend. He had been off the radar since 2011 when he made what was viewed as sexist and demeaning comments. And, I mean, I obviously I work with Holly quite a bit. I haven't had a chance to talk to, to Holly about it and see kind of how she felt and what their relationship was like after that. But, yeah, he was – he was something else, man. That dude had a voice. He sat with us at Big 12 Media Days one time, Josh, and talked for 30 minutes. And, and it would just, he just went. It was great. Him and Mike Godfrey would be on the big games. I liked him. I mean, obviously, you hate – what did what did Derek Carr say about John Gruden? You hate the act. You love the man. I hated what he did. I, I know he brought a wrongful termination suit against ESPN. They actually settled it out of court. But, Yeah. That's three. He's not what it is. It's always in threes. Ron Franklin, Louis Anderson, and Meatloaf. No? Nobody? It's always in threes. And, of course, everybody remembers Meatloaf from his time as in alternate with Tenacious D. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Some cameo appearances. Tenacious D. Um, you want to hit a couple of Air Comfort Solutions text line before we move on to the NFL playoffs and some hoops this weekend? Let's do just that. Mike from Moore wants to know any rumblings about press box upgrades, which Mike uh, said the 1980s press box before going to the SEC. It was part of the original, I almost said reconstruction, rehabilitation. The renovation. The, the, the renovation, phases. thank you. The, I knew there was an R word somewhere in there that I was missing out on. I don't know. I mean, I feel you guys ask really good questions. And sometimes instead of sitting here and hemming and hawing and making something up, I'll just be honest. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. To be honest, once the south end zone got done or was wrapped up, I almost felt as if attention then turned to softball, right? That was that was around, what, 17 when – Softball won its second national championship, and then baseball announced that they were having an upgrade. So, for me, as far as facilities were concerned, I felt that softball and baseball kind of took a little center stage, and I think the Griff had been built since then. But here's here's one thing that I will tell you. I think I think you're going to see a lot of work in the south end zone still. Is that vague enough? I can't help but wonder if maybe you're going to see a new staff come in. Well, there is a new staff in. And they have a brilliant mind like Thad Turnipseed who understands how these facilities need to be structured and what allows them to be the most efficient and I can't help but wonder if anything like the aesthetics of the press box might take a bit of a backseat to making sure that the south end zone is as efficient and as effective as it needs to be 
for football operations. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not first up on the pecking order now. They, they have identified some changes that they would like to make or some maybe the better better uh, upgrades. way to phrase it is some additions, some upgrades. Yeah, there you go. There's a good way. I mean, I know – I know for a fact that you know, it's, by no means was anything done poorly. I mean, that's not the point of me bringing it up. Nothing, No corners were cut. That facility is incredible. But I know there's some things that they would like to have set up differently. Maybe, um, maybe even the weight room. So just I hear what you're asking. I understand it. I get it. It was a conversation. But, you know, not being in with Joe C in those meetings and not hanging out with Zach Selman whenever it comes to the fundraising side of it. Though I think I'd be really good at fundraising, Zach. I really do. I, I can't believe in the decade that I've been here, it's never been, hey, you want to go uh, help us raise some money? But I digress. I think you'd have to wear like a suit and tie for that. I'm wearing sweatpants today. Probably be frowned upon. But in all seriousness, I think that I think there's a lot of work that they want to do Oh, hold What was the term? Gabe used a term last night that I – the SEC – the SEC-ification is something that I think you'll see quite a bit. And that goes for some facilities. And, Josh, that goes for analysts and the coaching staff too. You know, Caleb Kelly said something last night. I'll, I'll dig it up here in a bit. Caleb Kelly said something last night that was really interesting to me. He said, you know, we didn't really have what I would view as a, a ton of analysts or um, a ton of, I don't, the term isn't coaches, but just behind the scenes guys. And he goes, now it seems like that number is growing and there's a lot of people. I'm introducing myself to someone new every single day. And Gabe said, it's the SCCification of what your quote unquote roster behind the scenes needs to look like. All right, one more quick one you want to hit before the break? Yeah, because softball goes to the front of the line here. I Correct. want to share this from OU Believer. Plank, any info about Jocelyn Allo maybe maybe playing some first base in 2022, huh? That would be news to me. Now, I, I won't lie to you. I haven't been at practice. I haven't gone out there yet. Um, next... Next week, I don't have any events. I'm kind of – it's it's like I have a two-week calm before the craziness of softball, so I'll get out there. But I I would say Jocelyn's an outfielder. And to me – like, can we – can I think of the best – let me let me phrase it like this. Patty has always had a first baseman that can do a little bit of everything. Right, even even Shea was a converted second baseman, but she could do a little bit of everything. Right, um, they at times used Mackenzie Donahue over there a couple years ago because she's versatile, she's athletic, she can do a little bit of everything. Katie Self, my first year that I called softball, uh, Katie Self was an outfielder that they had converted to a first baseman, and. She ended up back in the outfield that season, and Shea ended up at first, and the rest was history. Uh, low, low Chamberlain over. I just, I always feel like that there is maybe not always, and I would understand the reasoning and the thinking, not always someone that 
you know, has played first base before, but the ball is in their hands a lot, and there is a lot that is required of the corners, both third and first. So while you think Jocelyn at first base, my mind shifts to like Lindsey Elam at first base or a Jana Johns over at first base. And um, I know I'm, I'm really probably going way too deep on this, but I would even say that I think there's a really good chance that the girl that transferred in from Oregon, Alyssa Brito, has a chance to – I mean, Coach Gasso told Eric Lopez on the In the Circle podcast that Alyssa Brito's basically pushing at every position. So I understand where you're thinking, hey, you know, we saw – we saw Jocelyn, or excuse me, we saw Lowe at first, we saw Shea at first, we saw uh, other big I – I just don't think that's in the cards for Jocelyn. Now, I could be wrong, but I think Jossie's going to be more of an outfielder slash DP. Jossie really improved as an outfielder at times last year. And Sooners just have incredible athletes. I mean, think about Kinsey Donahue. Um, you, you add Riley Boone to the mix now, 100% healthy. Jay Coleman. Kinsey, did I already mention McKenzie Donahue? Um Hannah Core can play. Tria Coleman can play. So, and Jordy Ball can play when it comes outfield. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would say unlikely, OU engineer. Did you expect me to talk for three minutes on that? I apologize, Josh. In case you can't tell, I'm a little bit fired up about the upcoming season. It helped us avoid the LSU's won three national titles with its seven coaches conversation. So, yeah, I, hey, I forgot at it. I forgot to add Brian Kelly to that list. Brian Kelly makes the seventh head coach that they've had. But in the, in those seven coaches, uh, you know what? Let me ask. Would you trade three, three championships to uh, plug in a couple of losing seasons in there? We've, uh, we've done this before. Have we done this before? Okay, okay. Never mind. But – Probably, yeah. Probably, I'm oh, okay. Salivating for a natty. <laughs> Would you cheat for a national title? Welcome to the Auburn Tigers Radio Network. All right, Plank Show rolls on. When we come back, uh, we'll catch up a little bit on some NFL sound from yesterday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. How's your gut check right now? How are you feeling heading in towards Sunday night? I think pretty good. I've gotten probably more confident as the week has gone on to me and I've said this I think all week or if I have it I'll say it now winner of this game to me is going to the Super Bowl so it's a big one I see how Buffalo's playing I see the records that were set versus New England I am just not gonna pick against Patrick Mahomes in this spot until I see otherwise Versus somebody not named New England and Tom Brady. You know, it's funny. I was listening to, I was listening to your boy Richard Christie the other day. Um, I would say, I don't know. Maybe you disagree. Maybe our Chiefs Kingdom disagrees. I would say this is kind of as quietly confident as I've seen Chief fans. Maybe all season. And I think part of it is just the incessant amount of praise that's been heaped upon the, the Buffalo Bills this week, right? Yeah, and you can look at it and say Kansas City's lost to every single team in the AFC playoffs sure. remaining. And, hey, that that's totally logical. Makes sense. I think 
Kansas City fans sort of look at it like, all right, here we go, got a bone to pick versus these guys when it matters. And that could be the completely wrong perspective. We're about to – as – as uh, the saying goes, we're about, we're about to, find to find out. <laughs> well, I, I will say this much. I um, For somebody whose team got beat, like my team did this past weekend, I'm not as bitter or down as I expected to be. I'm really excited about this weekend. Now, do I wish the Raiders were playing in, in Tennessee against the Titans? Sure, absolutely. But the reality is they, they got beat, and they threw a pick in the end zone when they had a chance to tie the game, which knowing the Raiders, they would have gone for two and missed it anyway. So I've created every scenario that would have kept them from winning anyway. But I just – I think we've got the eight best teams left in the NFL this year. As much as I love everything about the seventh team in the playoffs, I will concede – that you're not always going to get a 10 to 11 win team from top to bottom. It's just not the reality of the way the NFL is set up now. But I will say this. In the craziness of, oh, you can't expand playoffs, blah, blah. We've still ended up with what I think were the eight best teams this year. Now we can debate Dallas and San Francisco, but that's why it was a 4-5 matchup, Josh. They were that close. Yeah. So I love it. it, it that would be the one for me. But San Francisco's getting healthy at the right time. And say as many things that you want to say about Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy has won playoff games and taken that franchise to a Super Bowl and, oh, by the way, beaten Green Bay. So I would say that Dallas is the team that, to me, didn't make the, the party this weekend that I still think would be among those. But, man, it's hard to say that when you kind of get pushed around the way they did for three quarters. Sure. Absolutely. It's, you know, and it's funny because if you just think about things from the preseason to now, the Niners, they were a very popular Super Bowl pick. And they they battled injuries throughout the year, ineffectiveness. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, just give Debo Samuel the ball and, and let's go. I think uh, – <laughs> I said before the season, San Francisco would be back in the Super Bowl. Did I not? I think you did. I think you had a Niners-KC Super Bowl whenever we started the year. Which, still alive, look, uh, looked a little crazy there for a bit. Do you know what? I, I, I don't know why and I don't know how, but some way I've become anti-Tampa Bay. I don't know how. I mean, I just – I'm not a big Rams fan. I think they're a bunch of posers. But for some reason, I'm, I'm like, uh Oboe's there, and listen, Bobby Evans is there. I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams go out and take care of business and eliminate the Bucks. But, hey, I'm, I'm fascinated by the playoffs in the NFL. All right, it's 948. As, uh, as we sit here on this Friday morning, I will say no news on the transfer portal. Some have speculated on the Air Comfort Solutions text line that Maybe they think the the future of Caleb Williams will be determined today. I've stopped playing that speculation game because every single time I speculate, I've been wrong. I thought it would be two Fridays ago. I thought it would be National Championship Monday when we would find out. Three weeks, man, since this dude has entered the portal. And what is three weeks allowed to happen? Oh, my gosh, crazy rumors. 
Well, I hear that USC has put together a $5 million package in NIL. Okay. I don't know what to make of it, but here we are. So when it happens, we'll report it. But no news on Jackson Dart. Few names starting to gain some traction as far as people that will join Oklahoma in a support staff role. But as it stands right now, Caleb Williams' future, you guys know as much as we do. It's a plank show. So one fascinating thing that always comes out of round one of the playoffs is the end of the season for certain teams, right? (laughs) Breaking news. The season ends for the teams that lose. Did you know that? But I have been all in on suddenly this cowboy bashing by former players. And I have to laugh a little bit because we were we were talking about this last night on the huddle. And Caleb Kelly was joking about how Curtis Lofton would always call him and tell him when he stunk. And Gabe was telling the story about, you know, kind of getting after Kennedy Brooks at halftime of the OU Texas game. Um, the standard matters. And, and again, I know that, what is it, defend the standard, protect the standard, that's kind of been the the phrasing that's been used at Oklahoma quite a bit with Brent Venables. But, I mean, that's the same way in the NFL. And I found this fascinating to see kind of how things have materialized in the media after the Cowboys lost. Listen to Michael Irvin. Emin and I stood in that tunnel. Emin and I is what he said, Emmett Smith. Before everything. And to tell you this, we looked at each other and we said, we called ourselves double trouble. By land or by air. And the before we hit the field, if we don't up, we got no shots. Period. That's the whole reason we did that. Because we knew if we didn't show up, we got no shot. Our stars didn't show up. We had no shot. Whenever you got disorder, dysfunction. We can't have our stars putting up role player numbers like 31 yards rushing. One catch for 21 yards, 69 passer rated. And then have our role players putting up numbers like Schultz and Wilson. That's a disorder. Trying to make our role players stars, our stars role players. That's a disorder, and the team dysfunctions. Hmm. Seems like they're taking the loss well, Josh, in Dallas. Yeah, he um. doesn't seem upset in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> hey, He's not that, wrong. That's right, though. C.D. Lamb, I mean, all of those guys. Got to be stars. It's I, I love the frustration. I do. I do. I, if, if you had guys come out and say, ah, you know, it's okay. We lost. I mean, Jerry Jones has basically said Super Bowl or bust going on what, Josh? Like three years in a row? Well, indefinitely with this group <laughs> right here right now. Unreal. Good stuff. Michael Irvin, I got Troy Aikman too. Troy is a little bit more subtle in it. I think Troy was more – well, A, he was busting on Dak for not basically knowing that situation. But I think his frustration was more with the play call too. And Cowboy players are all over the media, right? I mean, Moose is still doing stuff. Michael Irvin is on two networks in your face incessantly. Troy Aikman's always on the biggest game. They're everywhere. I'm sure I'm leaving a few guys out. So, kudos. Kudos to the Cowboys for giving us some fodder to talk about here 
uh, even though they are done so done. I still firmly believe, and until I see him coach a game at the start of the season, I don't think Mike McCarthy is going to be back. Really? I, really? I, I have I've talked to a couple, and, and again, because I said it, and then I was like, you know, let me, let me dig a little bit. Let me see. And I called a few people. Um, one who said he thought I was crazy. Uh, two others that said they think it's already done that he's gone. And that Jerry is going to let the process play out for Dan Quinn to potentially get a job and then try to keep Kellen Moore around. So we'll see. But I'm a firm believer that Mike McCarthy is gone, so gone. Top five stories today next. 